This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Okie dokie, welcome back folks. Horticulture is to rushing and we're going to be talking about gardening. Uh, and again, since before Christmas, we've been on break because of the holidays and glad to be back here. There's a lot that's happened since then. Hey, Java, good morning. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing good. How are you, Felder, on the other side of the world over there? <laughs> doing fine. I had a little bit of a cold. I'm getting over cold, and I may have to cover my microphone up here with uh, my with my, my hat or something like that if I have to cough. But it's pretty good. It's not as cold here as it is in Mississippi. I can tell you that, though. Now, I know you got some uh, snow right, right before Christmas. Any more uh, winter weather over there? <laughs> No, all we had was snow and uh, and uh, for about a week, and it's completely gone. I've been out walking in the woods and across the moors, and uh, you know, taking the train, little villages and stuff like that. But mostly, I've just been laying low to hunker down. Because in England, it gets cold and it stays cold. When I say cold, you know, the 30s and the 40s, it may hit 50 or something like that. Unlike Mississippi, that'll go from 70 degrees to zero <laughs> degrees. True, you know? true, true. <laughs> You know that's that's the big difference is uh, when the further north you go, you know the the, the steadier the seasons seem to be. So anyway, I, I, you know, Java, I really wish we could have because of the holidays. You know, we just couldn't do this, but we really had a lot of damage uh, in Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee from this freaky freaky cold we had a couple of weeks ago. And there's a lot to talk about there, so I'm sure we'll be getting calls about it. But if not, I got plenty of stuff to say too. But uh, before we get more into the it, 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 happy new year, happy new year. Yes, sir. How happy new kids, year to you too. How, how your kids doing? They make it through all this. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's a, the Christmas season with kids really does make it a little bit easier. Um, cause I can, I don't know how you can have a bad Christmas if you got little ones, you know, waiting for Santa Claus with bated breath and all that stuff. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to say this, so, uh, because that's a, without you realizing that's a hero type thing to say, because only a loving parent could say that that's easy <laughs> because it can be crazy. <laughs> it can be crazy around holidays with kids. Yeah, we so, got uh, up before the sun uh, Christmas morning, so, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's plenty of stuff to talk about. There's a lot of concerns right now. Uh, I've been following uh, all of this cold weather, uh, the, the damage, not just with, with friends of mine and my family. Uh, Mississippi Gardening Facebook has been just inundated with people sending pictures and, and, and questions and wringing their hands and, and also a lot of hopeful things that people have been sharing. Um but also, I've been talking with fellow horticulturists, uh, uh, Gary. Ba- you know Gary Bachman, uh, you know Dr. Gary Bachman, the extension, the the, the mm-hmm, garden guy. Mm-hmm. He 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 retired over the holidays. Oh and, wow! And, uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, he he had the job that Norm the Winter had that I had that you know so you know so he and uh, uh, you know he's retired extension horticulture urban guy, home gardening guy, Carol Reese up in Tennessee, who's Jackson, Tennessee, who's actually from. Sessions, Mississippi, near Startville. Uh, she's a retired extension horticulturist, and the three of us between the Gulf Coast, Central Mississippi, and North Mississippi, South Tennessee, we've been comparing notes, and it's pretty much the same uniformly from top to bottom. A lot of weird stuff has happened, and some of it is 
not going to show up for another two or three or four months or so. So a whole lot of people are wondering what they should do, and that's what we want to talk about. But hey, before that, we we got to call the line. Let's go. Let's see what Jim's up to in Jackson. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here, and I'd like to start oh. the discussion about the freeze. Uh, I saw the temperature drop from 62 to 12 in about eight hours, and it stayed cold. And not only did my satsuma go, which I expected, but my kale and my cabbage and my pansies literally melted to the ground. Yeah. And now my azaleas and other uh, bushes, uh, the leaves have all turned uh, a brown color, and my knockout roses have lost all their leaves. Are they going to yeah. come back? Yeah, and you know, and you pretty well just summed up what just about everybody. You, you covered the whole gamut of what people are, are worried about. Uh, the winter annuals, things like the the pansies and the kale and violas and all, they can normally take really cold weather, and uh, and they can they can take down to ten degrees too. But it was such a sudden freeze that it caught them off guard. A lot of them are coming back. Some of them are just mush, and we just simply got to replant. And, and you know, any of us who've been planting these things for a long time, know that sometimes snapdragons freeze. Sometimes they don't. So the winter annuals, best you can do is just wait and see. And garden centers have still got plenty. I, I would re- actually replant a few just to give a little hope. If nothing else, just a pot full. Uh, as far as the plants that are borderline, you know, uh, things like the, the satsumas, which, you know, they, they, they're really not for central Mississippi, but a lot of the plants that can, can take a good freeze can't take a sudden hard freeze and uh they're going to have damage some of them are already dead but some of them we just don't know uh, and there's no way to tell really for another a few weeks i'll talk about that a little bit more in detail later but uh, a lot of plants that are very cold hardy uh, things like ligustrum roses azaleas uh, camellias uh, hollies that are dropping their leaves that's a temporary thing. I wouldn't worry about that in the leaves. And by the way, roses are not supposed to have leaves on this time of year. They usually drop them anyway. They just drop them quickly or turn brown. So uh, the plants that you normally don't worry about, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Uh, the other things we're not sure about, best thing to do is wait and see. What about the blooming of the azaleas this spring? Will it affect the bloom? We, we, we don't know. We don't know. Huh. Some will bloom, of course. A lot will not, of course. Some uh, we just don't know. You know, this was this wasn't a normal uh, winter. It wasn't normal. It was not only really really cold, but it was sudden, and that's that's the key. Uh, we have plants that'll take Jim that'll take 50 below zero that will get killed in Mississippi at 15 degrees if it comes on quick. See, so it's, it's more of the suddenness as well as the depth of the freeze that, that caught plants off guard. Uh, you know, it takes a little while for just like a, if you want to get a suntan, you don't go out and stay all day in the sun. You do a little bit at a time. Well, that's how plants get used to cold weather, and they gradually cool down on a cellular level. Uh, things, sugars change into you know, almost like antifreezes. Uh, they become acclimated or hardened off, and that takes that takes weeks to happen. And our plants didn't have it. And all of a sudden, they went from 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 fall to deep winter before the chance uh, for the cells to, to get up there, the antifreeze develop. So no way to tell. In that case, then I'm going to put my azaleas on the prayer list at church. Yeah, well, you know, I, and, and I'm not, not to be disrespectful about uh, about that, but azaleas were not put by God in Mississippi. People put them there. <laughs> they, were never, they were never supposed to be in Mississippi. Most of the native plants are going to do fine. 
you know. So, so you know, that's what guard the the places where azaleas came from. That's where you can get some new ones if they don't make it. You know, and so you know, say say, say the prayers for the birds because they they need the help. Okay, appreciate your call. Whew, I hope I didn't step over the line there, Java. But no, you, you didn't, Felder. But I I like that. God didn't put the azaleas here. We did. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and he did. He, God didn't put pansies out there in that pot in my front yard. And uh, you know, but in, anyway, you just have to you have to be philosophical to be a gardener. Hot and dry is really really bad. Sudden hard freezes are really bad. And this is one of the reasons why people say plant native plants and mostly the truly uh, the tried and true plants that we know about. A whole lot of people put stuff out there that that uh, that they had their fingers crossed about, and it's a gamble. You know, and, you know, if you lose at gambling, you don't go to church and whine about it. You just roll with the punches and pull that slot machine next time. So, yeah. anyway, let's 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 go up to Startville and see what Martha's up to. Well, oh, Martha, actually, oh, actually, Felder, we got to switch it up because Martha um, uh, in Starkville, she dropped off. If you call back, Martha, we'll be sure to put you on. But right now, let's go to Jesse um, yeah, in Oxford. In Oxford. Yeah, in yes, Oxford. sir. Hey, Jesse, good morning. Morning, Happy New Year. I want to ask you about soilless blackberries and how they do in North Mississippi. Because uh, I, me and a couple of my friends were talking about planting soilless blackberries. And what I was wanting to do, I was wanting to have it like a half fence uh, uh, and also a, a, a road barrier so people can't see up in my uh, front yard and all. But I was wanting yeah. to see about if soilless blackberries, the size versus the regular blackberries. My wife always yeah. hated thorns. Yeah, well, first of all, a lot of these were actually developed up up in the mountains of Arkansas. You know, they'll take the cold. Uh, but you you wanted these just for a barrier, or you? I mean, you're not going these commercially to sell, are you? No, I was gonna say we were. Uh, some of my friends were talking about making yeah. blackberry wine or stuff like that, yeah. or you know, yeah. blackberry pie. And they said some of the thorns ones don't get no bigger than a uh, a little pea or something or marble. But some of them they'll get large, large as a quarter. Yeah, well, yeah. There's a lot of difference in variety. Same thing with blueberries. There's a lot of really good blueberries that are big and pretty, but they're not sweet. And there's some that are really little that are just so sweet. You know, there's a lot of difference in in fruit size and quality in any of these kind of things. What I would recommend would be, and, and right off the bat, I can't tell you the names of any specific thorns ones. They're going to be the size berries. If you'll send me an email, I, you know, I've got that at my fingertips. I just don't have it at the top of my head. But uh, I can tell you this, the thornless one, blackberries don't make a good screen unless you're talking about keeping, you know, people out of your yard. The, you know, they're not evergreen. They don't, they're not dense or anything like that. And I would plant them in, in a row someplace where you can pick them from both sides and also so you can prune them because even the thornless blackberries has got to be pruned. As soon as you get through harvesting in the summertime, you cut them back to a foot or two tall to get rid of all the old and then make them bush out with lots of new growth for the next year. So I would put them in, in rows where you can, can, can print them easily and pick them from both sides of the row, uh, no matter which way you go with thornless or non-thornless ones. But to answer your question, they'll, they'll do okay. See, I was wanting to put them uh, down each side of my driveway going down my yard and have a little trellis system right there because the county keeps cutting all the stuff next to the roads. And I yeah. cut my grass, and I have it right there because I figured a lot of the uh, uh, grass shavings and all that would be good mulch for them uh, at the base of them. Yeah, it, it would be. But, you know, muscadines would do really well, too. You know, if you put your, uh, uh, you know, uh, some, some, a post every 20 feet 
with a uh, with a, a single wire about four feet above the ground. You can grow a musk plant, plant a musket out about every twenty feet. It makes a fine little screen, you know. And again, only about four feet tall, and you know, and that's another good one. So what you might want to consider would be a combination of those things and have a musket on every every twenty or thirty feet and some blackberries in between. In other words, mix stuff up. And by the way, I gotta throw this out. All of these plants are deer magnets. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So anyway, they they will grow and they'll do fine in North Mississippi. I don't have the right the best but you know, more than what type of fruit uh is good, Jesse, the variety is crucial. Any kind of fruit has got good varieties and bad varieties. So uh, we, we need to come up with the, with the right variety and then take it from there. And I've got this st- stuff at my fingertips, just not on top of my head. Okay. I have to uh, get your uh, email and all that, and I'll try to email you a letter. Okay. Hey, let me throw out one other thing. Are you in Oxford or near Oxford? You said you're out from Oxford. I'm just north of Oxford. Okay. Uh, well, if right, you right. go down high... If you go down Highway 7, just uh, not even uh, about a half a mile south of town going towards, uh, uh, you know, going going you know down on Highway 7, the Extension Service has an office right there, and they've got publications on all this. And plus, they can help you test your soil and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, to email me, go to felderrushing.blog, B-L-O-G, and it has a little thing that says email me, felderrushing.blog. And say email me. We can take it from there. But anyway, they'll grow. They'll grow. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a blessed okay, weekend. Warm, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thank you. All righty, folks. Horticulturists fell to rushing, and we're talking about gardening. And um, a lot of people are concerned about the uh, about what we can do. There's a lot of information online about what you can do about your garden plants, but there are some really good Mississippi LSU. Uh, type uh, there's information for the extension service being put out there. Uh, I just got one from uh, Mississippi State saying what you should and should not be doing, and it's pretty much what uh, Carol Reese and Gary Bachman and a whole bunch of us have been saying all along. Folks, this is not our first rodeo with this. This is just extra hard and extra sudden and all the way to the coast. Uh, in general, what you can do, you can replant a few winter annuals, just enough to keep your hopes up. That's what gardening is about. Gardening is about enjoying the moment, not just filling the freezer. So uh, if you can go to a garden center, just get a pot full of pansies or violas or snapdragons, then they should do fine because we're going to have, should have normal winter weather after that. Um, if you've got mushy plants, cannas, and they, you know, things that normally die down this time of year, and they, if they get nasty and mushy and wilty and drippy and stuff, you can go ahead and neat those up. There's no problem. You don't have to, but but it, it, if you need to do something, do that. As far as woody stuff, though, the the um, you know the azaleas, the the camellias, uh, gardenias, euonymus, plants that got brown leaves. If they shed, that's a really good sign. And that means just just you know that that's a good sign. If they turn brown and the leaves are sticking on there, there may be some stem damage because this 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 freeze calls. It costs a lot of plant cells by go. You know, if they don't have time to to settle down, form little antifreeze type things in the cells, then when the cells freeze, they burst and then they they melt like chocolate left out in the sun. So the only way you can really tell for that is to scratch the bark. If you got plants that've got brown looking leaves, take your thumbnail or sharp knife and barely scratch the bark and look for bright green tissue right under the bark. That's the live stuff. 
If it's brown under the bark, that's dead. Scratch lower. If that's brown, it's dead. Keep scratching until you come to, to, to bright green tissue. That's the live stuff. And if you want to cut some plants back a little bit, that'd be fine. But most experts are saying don't do any heavy pruning right now because that exposes those cut branches to more, more winter injury. They don't have time to heal over. It can disrupt the healing process. If you can stand it at all, leave the plants alone. I'm not talking about roses. We always prune roses in February. But as far as winter damage, it's better to not prune than to prune. And if you just got to, prune a little bit and plan on going back and doing a harder pruning later. So look for, for green tissue right under the bark. And then also, over the next few weeks, inspect the lower trunks. This is a, this is a hard thing to visualize. But a lot of azaleas, um, to plants with thin bark, crepe myrtles, uh, what's the most common, pinosporum, these plants. I'm from north Mississippi, and we usually get freeze damage on those. Uh, uh, Confederate jasmine, what some people call star jasmine. Uh, look at the, the bark, and if, it's, if the bark has been split open, and it's, if you're not sure, it ain't. It is really, really obvious that the bark is split down low. That means that from there up, it's going to die later. No matter how good it looks, no matter – it can even bloom this spring, but if the bark down low is split, it's going to need to be cut off below that split to save the plants, like rejuvenate them. So look for bright green tissue under the bark, and down low, look for split or busted bark and busted burst. I can't remember what my high school English teacher – but look for, for split bark, look for green tissue – and as best you can, leave stuff alone for the next month or so. That's what all the experts are recommending, all of us. Uh, and if you can't do that, okay, I, I get that. But I'm just saying. Uh, let's go up now to uh, to Hernando and talk to Gary. Gary, how's your yard looking? Um, we're doing good. Um, the crazy thing is, is I, my house backs up to about 2,000 acres of soybeans. And yeah. when they harvest in the at the end of the summer, we get stink bugs, and we're used to it. But this hard hard freeze, they've showed up again. I don't know where they're coming from, and I can't get rid of them. The guy who sprays for insects kind of throws his hands up and says he'll spray. But I'm trying to find something, well, one, understand where they're coming from, and two, how to get rid of them. Are you talking about these little soybean stink, the, the little, uh, what they call, kudzu bugs, like little small stink bugs? <laughs> Yep, the, they almost look like they're a dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 the, the bigger ones, the ones, the, the, the yeah, the, those big bugs. Yeah, the ones yeah. that fly. Yeah, uh, they, they say they overwinter naturally uh, down in grass. Down, you know, if you if you have ornamental grass like pampas grass from this campus, you cut those back, and these things just come boiling out. So they, you know, they hunker down in vegetation to make it over the winter. And a lot of them have had that vegetation removed. It's gone. And they don't have protection anymore. And as soon as it warms up, they're coming out looking for a warmer place to go. They're not real bright. You know, they're just looking for for survival. And, you know, the houses were wrecked. And so they're just coming out looking for more stuff. Now, that's where they're coming from. As far as what you can do about it, uh, you know, it's really hard to kill these things, even with chemical insecticides. They're tough. I mean, it, it's hard to, you know, you take two brick bats and it's hard to kill some of these. But the most effective thing, uh, the strongest thing you can use happens to be a natural, the, the, the safe, happens to be a natural product. It's called pyrethrin. 
pyrethrin is made from okay. chrysanthemum. There's there's some synthetic ones, uh, but you have to get a direct hit on them. You know, this this is it's safe to use. It's powerful, uh, but you got to get a direct hit. There's nothing put out there that's going to keep them from coming up, uh, keep more from coming back. So this is just like bailing out a leaky boat, you know, and, and uh, pyrethrin are just, you know, your temporary bail. Uh, yeah, and, and the whole side of my barn's covered in them. I bet there's thousands of them. Yeah, it, it's part because, you know, when the sun hits it, that's warm. You know, like I say, they don't right. think, they don't plan ahead. You know, they, they, they're looking for warm. And when they get on there, they're going to look for, for, for crevices and doors and between boards. They're going to look, and there's a good chance a lot of them were actually inside uh, the walls to begin with. And they're just coming out to warm up. You know, we see this a lot with with, with ladybugs even. So uh, there's not much you can do. They're just trying to stay warm. And if they're exposed, you can hit them with some pyrethrin. But there's nothing else that's going to keep them from the, the ones you miss. Uh, you just have to treat them again. Even. Oh yeah, uh, these are ones with the back legs. Yeah, sir. Uh, these are one, uh, these are ones where the back leg swells out, looking like a little bit of skinny leaf. Hard to describe. They're kind of almond shaped and flat and and fly. They're probably about the size of the end of your little finger from the knuckle down. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a type, you know, there's a, there, there, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's of course, there's butterflies and flies and beetles, but there's what we call true bugs. Uh, true bugs are, 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 are not like beetles, but this particular one, uh, the stink bugs, come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. But again, it takes a direct hit to get them, and that's that's going to be hard to do. It's just one of those things where I hate to say got to got to sort of hunker down and live with it, or else you're going to have to go out there and spray every other day. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, we've been doing them for years. I was just wondering if there was something I could run to the co-op and get. Well, you know, th- there is, but, you know, not enough to spray your whole barn every other day. Sure. You know, what I would do is I would just put on your sunglasses and go down and get your drink someplace. <laughs> All right. Well, that works. Yeah. Well, if you yes, if you can't see them, if you can't see them, they won't bother you as much. <laughs> Good luck on it, man. All righty. Let's slide up. Let's go up to Fulton. Let's go up towards the icebox. I know it got cold up in Fulton. Rebecca, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Felder? Doing pretty good. I had a really rough cold for a while there. You know, when you get a cold these days, you run out and immediately take COVID tests every other day and all that. But it's just a cold. But it's been so long since I had a cold, it freaked me out. (laughs) I understand. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Yeah. So what you got going on? Yes, sir. I just want to – I feel – uh, foolish asking about indoor plants after everybody's worrying about stuff outdoors. But um, but I've got uh, Danielle Steele's new book, and on the back of it, they've got a picture of her with this huge orchid. And I'm like, it looks like it's, I dare say, um, three and a half feet, maybe four? I mean, it's huge. And I'm just wondering, um, did, did y'all grow that? Did you ever grow Orchids that like that at, at state or or how long would it take to grow something like that? Yeah, well, and and this is on the back of whose book? Uh, oh, Daniel Steele. It's it's a oh, yeah. novel. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, of course, and I hate to say this, but that might have been photoshopped. It could be. Well, I'm just saying. Well, it could I thought it be. might be fake. You know, I thought it might be yeah, a fake yeah, yeah. orchid. Well, here, here's the deal. And first of all, house plants are, are crucial. I'm, I'm looking right now at, at, at uh, one plant I've had for, whew, I don't know how long I've had this thing. But anyway, uh, house plants are what keep me going. 
you know, keep me going. But uh, and I've been to orchid shows. I've been to the largest orchid collection in, in Great Britain. I've looked at them all over uh, North America. Big greenhouses full of them. Never have seen any really, really big orchid flowers. But the orchid plants are easy to get pretty good size if you've got the right conditions, which is jungle conditions. Bright, indirect light, a lot of warmth, a lot of humidity, because most of these kind of orchids you see, that the fancy kind, are growing trees like Spanish moss, uh, and they need bright light, a lot of warmth, a lot of humidity. And under those kind of conditions, there's, there's some quite showing. I've never seen any with flowers bigger than my cupped hand, individual flowers. No, it, it, the, 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 I'm talking about the plant itself, not the. Oh, I yeah, mean, it, it, plant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plant, plants are easy, but you know what a staghorn fern is, don't you? Yes. Yeah, I've seen staghorn ferns that are four feet across, because you know mm-hmm. the, the, the you know they, they it's just like just like mistletoe. Mistletoe will make a ball bigger than I can put my arm around. So that, if it, if it was a real fern, if it's a big fern plant, it was just grown in a greenhouse. That's all. And give them a fertilizer. You can keep them for a long time. They can get the plants can get really big, but it, it yeah. takes a greenhouse. Okay. Well, you you need it. You you're going to need to hang it off of the shower curtain in the bathroom with the window nice and bright, a lot of humidity. That's the only place it's going to grow that big in the house. Okay. So, Okay, but now, well, th- th- there's some other really good good plants like that. You know what a bromeliad is? Th- yeah, there's some, there's some really good bromeliads that'll actually take low humidity and get pretty good size. Um, and a whole lot of tropical plants. You know, I've seen airplane plants that you, you know they come in a little hospital basket when Uncle Harry went to the hospital. I've seen airplane plants that are three and a half, four feet across, just full plants. So it's just a matter of pot size, light humidity. That's all. Okay. Well, no, I I don't want to do like those those Brits that went to Panama and ended up being um, kidnapped for six months. So you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know if you know what yeah. I'm talking about. I do, yeah. I do. And by the way, if you want to, you know, you're you're about halfway between. Well, you're not halfway between Huntsville and Memphis. But if you go if you go to uh, to, to to Memphis Botanic Garden, they've got some really nice orchids in, in one of the in, in one of their their, their hot houses. Uh, you know, and you go in there and it just smells like a jungle. Well, that'd be the closest I could think of where you could just, in other words, just go. It's like, you know, we, we like elephants and giraffes. So it's better to go visit them at the zoo than to have them in the own yard. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Have fun, Rebecca. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Before we get into anything else, let's slide up and talk with Fletch, who's calling from, where are you calling from, Fletch? Today, it's actually Ridgeland. Okay. It, it, near the capital city. Well, what's going on with you? Well, uh, I apologize if this is redundant. Um, I was just able to tune in. <laughs> Much we can do for these, these yard shrubs that got burned up last week. Well, you can prune them, but I'd wait till spring. You know. Okay. Luckily, luckily, everybody else looks that way, too, so nobody's going to be judging us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, just if the, the human nature is to go out and fix stuff. Uh, but pruning right now can actually lead to more damage. Uh, it really will. And this is what Mississippi State says. This is what, you know, it, it, all of the experts, based on decades of experience, best to meet stuff up if you need to, but I wouldn't do any hard pruning at least for another month or two. It might even be spring before we see if some plants got a lot of damage. Anyway, the, the damaged wood is actually protecting the part that's not damaged for right now. So 
It'd be better if you can just to wait. Get you know, go down to Ace Hardware and get your can of green spray paint. That'll fix them up. Oh, but, uh, we should really, even prune but, them in the spring if we don't if we don't uh, care about the size of it. Uh, that's right. You know, well, rejuvenation. Where you see people cut plants to the ground and sprout back out. That's called rejuvenation pruning, and it's actually a horticulture practice. I did that when I worked for Campus Landscape of Mississippi State. We would cut hollies that were 70 years old down to a foot tall. And I thought it was horrible, but they came back prettier and stronger than ever. Uh, just like what we do to roses. They cut roses back to a foot, a foot and a half tall every year. So it doesn't hurt the plant to do that. And if the plants have got winter damage, it can, it can stimulate some stronger, healthy new growth down low. It just sort of uh, fixes them. So uh, okay. anyway, if, And on a hydrangea... You know, I'll, I'll, yeah, and the see, my hydrangeas are usually pruned in. They should be pruned anyway, just like roses. What you do with hydrangeas is that the tallest branches that are stuck here, cut each of those back about two thirds down into the plant and leave some unpruned. Uh, but the, all, you know, the hydrangeas, the figs, the roses, traditionally, oh, people prune them all the time, but horticulturists and people who grow these plants for hobby know February is probably better for pruning those kind of plants anyway. So a lot of people just freaked out right now because it all looks so terrible. Normal pruning is done in February. Winter damage stuff may be, need to be pruned even in the spring or summer as the damage shows up. Right now, it's better just to find something else to do, really. Good deal. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. Okay, thanks, Fletch. Appreciate it. And I, I slide down a, a three or four miles down into Jackson talk with Bert. Hey, Bert, good morning, sir. Hey, man, uh, I sent you a long email earlier this week, but you probably haven't got to it yet. But I, some of the questions, my question was answered with the man just moments ago. But I've got to, I've got two plants to deal with. I've got a sweet olive that is just dropping all its leaves. They were just burned, not burned up, frozen up. Second, yeah. the irises are laying flat on the ground. Yeah. Flat on the, and they're paling out. So yeah. I well, what about the sweet olive? What about the irises? Okay, first of all, irises grow in Canada. They can take the cold. The sudden cold got the, the tender stuff. You can go back and the, the really floppy stuff on irises and monkey grass and, you know, the stuff that's not the non-woody stuff, perennial type stuff. You can cut that foliage back, and the new growth should come out fine in the spring. You know, uh, again, okay. these plants will grow in Canada. So the, the bad-looking, flopped over, not going to straighten, non-woody stuff, you can neaten that stuff up. But as far as okay. things like sweet olive, uh, star or Confederate jasmine, uh, woody plants that are looking bad, I'm from North Mississippi. This happened all the time. You know, I'm used to this. In, the, in Central and South Mississippi, they're not used to it. Uh, but as a kid, you know, we always cut back winter-damaged plants in the spring. That was just kind of routine. It was just we have more of it, a little bit more damage this time around. So. Uh, all those kind of plants that are brown, the, the, the shrub, the woody stuff, uh, if you want to neaten them up a little bit now, that'd be fine. But just everybody, and I agree with this, everybody including me, is saying if you can put off pruning it, you know, just understand everybody has got the same in, – in the same – we're all in the same boat, and it's better okay. to wait if you can. And some of them won't make it, but uh, a lot of them – most of them will. Well, this is a great big sweet olive and a great big uh, uh, bay, bay, and they're both just dropping all their leaves. Uh, I, I, they're going to I, 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 I know. I know. I've been dealing with this. 
a lot of people don't know this. I'm 70 years old. I was raised with this. I was raised in a garden of a horticulture. So my, my uh, family had a garden center. Every I, I know all this. Nothing I would do myself except wait and see. And I've got some plants in my Jackson garden that I know have got severe damage. When I get back uh, in a few weeks, I'm going to leave them alone because that's the best thing to do, really. And uh, most of the time they'll come back. Sometimes they want, sometimes pruning them, they'll put out new growth further down. That's the really honestly the best advice. Anybody, anybody tell you more specific than that is making it up. Really. Well, cut the iris <laughs> stuff that's laying on the ground, but don't. But that's it. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the floppy nash is up going and eating it up. One thing you can do is uh, take a little knife and scratch on the bark of your sweet olive in the bay tree, uh, both, both of which can normally take a freeze. Uh, scratch on the bark, and if it's bright green tissue right beneath the bark, plant will be fine. Really. Okay. Good. Thank you. Okay. Good luck on it. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Now I'll slide up to auctions. Anna, how are you this morning? I'm just fine. <laughs> I, I hear all what the people are saying, and I guess I'm not alone. <laughs> no. But um, the, um, I have some ivy, which I've been trying to cut back. I, I don't want it. I don't like it. My husband likes it. I have never seen so many ivy berries on the ground. I didn't even yeah. know they had flowers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just yeah. Does anything eat these berries? Because I, it, oh, it, it's just, it, they're ugly. You know, I mean, they're like little black pearls. And if we had pigs, it would be wonderful. But uh, yeah. well, I mean, they're they're just little, they're just little, little small, dark, dark purple, almost black berries. You know, it's, yeah, it's one of the reasons why why ivy is considered invasive because a lot of birds eat the berries and drop the seeds everywhere. And, oh, birds uh, eat them. Here, oh. Oh yeah, Why didn't yeah. they do uh, it earlier? <laughs> well, because they weren't ripe. The reason they use on the ground is because they get hit by a hard, unexpected freeze. You know, I mean, even Nandinas have been dropping their berries because of this unusual freeze. But but Nandinas and and uh, hollies and uh, and ivy, any kind of plants that had berries on in the wintertime, a lot of them shed because of the sudden hard freeze. You know, yeah. uh, you know, all, all we don't we don't often see ivy blooming uh, in Mississippi. You see it all over England. Uh, the little small clusters, little small yeah. rounds, closer to the off-white flowers, and then they make little closer to the berries. That's, that's where they come from. So yeah. uh, well, see, anyway, I mean, it, I'd like I'd like this ivy to die. <laughs> I mean, it well, what's the chance of it dying? I hope. <laughs> well, so, 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 sometimes you gotta you know gotta take it in your own hands and get out there with some pruning shears and a shovel and just dig it up. That's you know, ivy won't die on its own. Ivy grows from Florida to Canada. It grows. Oh, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, what I'm saying, it, it's not it's not going to just die. You're going to have to dig it up. That's just part. You know, it, it, you know, it's it's mechanical removal. is what we call it. But I never spr- saw so many so many ivy leaves drop along with the with the berries. I mean, it was well, just it was, but it didn't happen until we had the warm spell. Right. You know, what happened? we had yeah. the cold, then the swarm spell, and, and then everything just sort of dropped. It was just crazy. Well, if if you think about it, where those leaves are connected to the stem is a relatively small little space. And that, and, and and it's a, it's it's sort of like where your fingers are connected to your hand. You know, those knuckles don't need much freeze. And the cells froze, and, and as soon as the warm weather came along, nice cold, nice warm breeze, something like that, they just drop. They just shed. Just and they actually shed anyway. We just don't notice it because of evergreen. Uh, even even you know, 
All, all plants drop their leaves, but usually after yeah. new leaves come on, we don't notice it. This just this cold just sort of spread, sped up a natural process. Right now, I'm seeing hollies that have never dropped their leaves that are yeah, completely right. bare, and the leaves look like colorful mulch on the ground. That's just called oh, the yeah. freeze. It, it's, it's, it's funny because because the leaves they don't turn orange or anything. They turn like chocolate brown. They were winter damaged. The cells froze yeah, right. and burst. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know it's just it's, it's it, you know it's, it's like putting an apple in a microwave. It's going to blow up. <laughs> yeah, anyway, this, this, this is this is this is it's not a natural uh, freeze. But it's a, a natural occurrence that just simply got sped up by the freeze. They would have turned brown and shed anyway later in the spring. We would have noticed it. So well, this, you know, is, I, I lived in Chicago for 27 years, and nothing like – I guess we didn't have that many um, evergreens. But I've noticed yeah, yeah, even yeah, – yeah, 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 you do. Yeah, you do. I went with the Chicago Botanic Garden. Even th- This happens anywhere. It's, this is a sudden – this is a uh, sort of like a, a hurricane Type thing. Yeah. It was a it was a sudden exceptional event, uh, and, and it ha- it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. It was just most of the time we don't notice it. It's just like in the springtime when the fly, sp- when the when the shrubs start blooming, and we always get that late frost, and people yeah. always act like it didn't happen every single year. <laughs> but this happens. But, but this I've, happens I've even I, I say say I've even had pine trees drop clumps of pine needles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not not like, not just one or two, but you know, big clumps. Yeah, Anna, same with me. Same with me. <laughs> Your yard, and you got a beautiful garden. I've, I've been to. I've got. I have a photograph of of one of your your uh, your your goddess statues with. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it was crepe myrtle stems that were painted pink. Is that right? Yeah. Well. Yeah. We, yeah, the crepe, yeah. 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 I, I, I'm just those, saying. Those little crepe myrtles have, have actually given up the ghost, but the big one is is but the main. But you, but you did spray paint the, the trunks pink one time, right? That's right. Yeah, pink and turquoise. Yeah. Okay. Well, go out and spray paint these plants because that's the best you can do. And I guarantee you, my yard looks as bad or worse than oh, anybody mine else's. Oh, mine looks like a bomb hit it. I mean, it just. But, I mean, but, but, and I haven't but really it, worked in the yard for a long time because I'm just too lazy. Right. But. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I, I'm not. I, I, I choose plants that are super hardy. I arrange them in interesting combinations. I have something in bloom, something I can eat every week of the year. I've written books and books and books and blah, 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 and my yard looks terrible just like yours. And what am I going to do? I'm just going to wait and see. This One more normal. question. Like an idiot, I planted some pansies uh, just before the freeze, and it looks really nice, you know, and now it's like they're totally toast. Is there any chance that they might come back? Yep. And it wasn't an idiot. You did something normal. We normally plant pansies and violas and snapdragons and stuff like We normally plant those in the fall. Uh, and they normally make it, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they yeah. don't. And this is this is an exceptional sometimes. Best we can do, wait and see. And those that don't come back, get you some more. Yeah, replant them. <laughs> okay, yeah, go. Just, okay. See, see you, Anna. Bye-bye. Yep, wait and see. Wait and see. Uh, Java, you know, I, I need to get somebody to go over and take some pictures of mine, but I've got this this plant in my front yard. It's, it's a huge vine. It's one of my pride and joy. It's called star jasmine, another common name is confederate jasmine. Beautiful, big, bold plant, incredibly fragrant. Mine is huge, and I guarantee it's dead as a doorknob. Dead as a doorknob because that's what happens to them in north Mississippi 
this kind of cold got stuffed even in Central or South Mississippi. It's going to be dead as a doorknob. Instead of running in circles and screaming and shouting, I'm just going to come back, and if it's dead, I'll cut it down or plant something else. That's just what we do. It's just what we do. See, this is one of those events where everybody's, because uh, I really enjoy what you were telling Anna about, hey, I've done all this and that. <laughs> I've been, you know, writing all these books books and blah, blah, blah. Come on MPB every Friday, but my yeah. yard looks like everybody else's yard. It levels the playing field. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's sort of like putting on a brand new pair of jeans and first thing you do is you get a grass stain on the knee. Well, you can either wash them or wear it with pride. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the stain ain't going away. Hey, you sent me a you sent me some pictures, and where did you get these pictures? Where did you come across them? Yeah, so uh, uh, Crystal and I took a took a little anniversary trip to uh, Washington D.C. Oh, oh, you took these pictures yourself? Yeah, because we like like I said, uh, me and my wife we celebrated our ten year anniversary. We went to Washington D.C. Cause that's you know our our type of thing, and if you have not yeah. been to Washington D.C., it is like Disneyland for historical and uh, political you know things. Uh, but wear some, wear, some, wear some good shoes because you'll be walking. Yes, now that is the truth. But we went to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. I think it's the newest museum in the Smithsonian system. And uh, it's right there on the mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right there, and it it was amazing. You know, it took us through the history of how um, you know African Americans or Africans got here to the country through slavery and then just kind of went all the way up until present day. And in one of the one of the um, uh, different rooms that they had, there was a bottle tree. And instantly oh. my, my, my mind went to you and um, you told me that the, the lady who made the bottle tree, Stephanie Dwyer, she's yeah, a Mississippian. Well, she's originally from the Pacific Northwest, uh, Oregon, I think. Might have been in Washington. But anyway, she moved to Mississippi, and the first bottle tree she ever made, uh, I saw it at a, uh, at, at, a, uh, at a crafts festival. And I, I wrote in the newspaper then that she put the art in yard art. It's a really flowing, kind of a curvy, it's not your store-bought you know, Walmart bottle tree. Very organic. It's got metal leaves and stuff, and they're beautiful. And uh, she got to be, I mean, she just blew the place up. She's done huge installations all over the place, but she started in Jackson, Mississippi. I have three of her bottle trees. I thought it was two. I counted in my head. I got three of hers in my garden. And the little bottle tree sconces that are on my truck were made by Stephanie Dwyer. But she, her, her bottle tree is on exhibit uh, at, 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 you say, the African American Museum. Was that the name of it? Yes, sir. The National Museum of African-American History and Culture. And like I said, I did not know. I saw it was a a bottle tree. And I'm going to read the little inscription. Um, Empty bottles can trap bad spirits. Hang them on tree branches to protect your home. Clear and colored bottles adorn the trees of many southern yards. Enslaved Africans brought the practice to North America. The bottles exemplify the continuance of African belief systems among African-Americans and the transmission of cultural practices between groups. White Southerners adopted the practice from African-Americans. And then uh, Bottle Tree, she made it in 2016. Stephanie Dwyer, I did a little Google search. I have a picture of you and uh, Stephanie in front of my screen. (laughs) Like, it's just Mississippi everywhere, even in Washington, D.C., at the National Museum of uh, African-American History and Culture. It's crazy. Wow. Wow. (laughs) It's a small world, man. And uh, and, I don't know if you're aware, but I wrote, I I literally wrote the book on bottle trees. 
uh, bottle trees, and other whimsical garden glass. And I've got Dale Shahuli. I've got several photographs of St- some of Stephanie Dwyer's uh, artwork from Shangri-La Botanic Garden in Texas all the way up to, to the, in the, the, the center of the Shack Up Inn in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Anyway, some of hers are very distinctive, and I'm proud to, proud that she got something in that museum because they're, they're the best. They're simply the best. Yeah, simply the best with different artifacts. I mean, like they have the mother, they have the actual mothership that George Clinton and uh, P. Funk, you know, used to fly down wow. from the ceiling. So it's wow. a great place. And for her art to be there, like for me, not knowing anything about her, not even knowing she was so close to Mississippi, uh, I mean, hey, she she is the one. <laughs> okay, can, can I do just a little piece of bragging here? Yeah, go ahead. They have this thing on the mall. Uh, I don't know if it's every year or not, but it's a it's a cultural festival. They take different cultures around the country and they concentrate them and they put them all over the mall like a like a cultural festival. And one year they did one on Southern culture. They're on the mall. It's been probably thirty years or more. And they sent a 18-wheeler down from Washington, D.C., and I made 72 tire plant, planters out of tires and 25 bottle trees, and they were on the mall in Washington. My grandmother's chicken and my bottle trees and my tire planters were on the mall in Washington, Southern Culture Festival. Oh, wow. But the, they weren't fancy like Stephanie's, though. Oh, come on, so, man. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm, I'm glad. This is going to be a lot of fun. Somebody says they didn't like bottle trees because they were tacky and I point out she's hanging stuff out of holes in her ears shut up you hang stuff out of holes in ears we put bottles in our trees let's have some fun anyway we'll be back more than a salt garden here on this no no we're, we're at the end of the season we're at the end of the program I'll see y'all next week go out and get dirty this is an MPB Think Radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.